Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley and here with Matty Person this week. Perso, how have you been going in Supercoach this week, bud? Uh, not too bad, Barnsley, for a challenge. <laughs> I mean, uh, finally captain someone half-decent, which is the first time this bloody season's uh, had uh, Tom Alala with 94 for captain, so that's the first decent result of that, so not too bad. Very nice. I um, had a nightmare because I was on Tomalolo all week and I um, took it off and put it on for feeder and then obviously Tomalolo played first and I saw him get his 90-plus uh, score and I went, oh, no, there's no way for feeder's going to beat that. And um, thankfully I was saved in that Cronulla game. <laughs> he actually did well too, so it was about the same captain's choice anyway. Yeah, not much to it, man. Uh, it was a good week. Um, it was one as well where I guess probably one of the only ones I remember this year where... It's been a really big range of scores, which was nice to see because it was a great week to move. Um, some of the other weeks that um, people have gone well, there hasn't been a huge amount of difference or variance in the sort of the top half of people that went well. But it seems like there was sort of the 1100s and then some guys that are quite good coaches were down in the 900s even. So it seemed like a pretty good week to move around a little bit if you did well. Yeah, sure. It's all over the place this year as a coach. <laughs> well, it's good for you and me trying to claw our way back up to the top, mate. Yeah, that was the first decent score I had, finally pushing 1,200 for a change, but um, we'll see what happens this week. Yeah, well, it is a big one, so let's get stuck into it, because we've got a really interesting market watch segment to, to jump straight into. And at this point in the season, I guess, it does get interesting, because you don't just have the cheapies and the guys at peak coming up, you've also got the round 13 buy to start to worry about, and then also you kind of have a good idea of who the guns or emerging guns are looking like. And it means that there's a lot of different buy options and sort of strategies to go with your team. So let's have a look at the, the first guy in our ins list, Mahe Fanua, currently the most traded in player at 17%. He's probably going to go up from 17%. He might even approach like 25% of coaches trading him in plus this week. BE of minus 36. He's playing his third game this weekend with... Um, Tui Lolahea not named, which is a positive. It looks like a pretty no-brainer with the way he's been playing, but it's it's your Tigers, mate. Is he looking the goods and probably going to stick around, do you think? Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I brought him in last week. I jumped a week earlier. Would turn his alert next time dropped. That's his only competition. Lolahea won't affect him as well. He comes back in. It's going to affect Moffa more than anyone else between him and um, Thompson for that right edge spot, so... Especially the way Fanua has been playing since he's came in, uh, that left um, left wing spot is for the moment. So he looks a really good cheapie. Yeah, he's done sixty four, sixty one. His first two games, um, so he hasn't scored below a sixty one, which is nice. And I think his his base base attack is around about forty six points, which is very good. Yeah, it's been decent. He had a um, a try assist in the first game and a try in the second game, so he's had some attacking stats. But his base is pretty good, so. I mean, he's across. He's going to make 150k or so at the worst anyway, and potentially be a, uh, a borderline keeper. So he's um, understandably why everyone's trading in this week. Yeah, very understandable. Really good trading. If you're not doing it, you should probably assess your trades and have a bit of a look at it, I think, because um, 
like Perso said, he, you know, centre wing is such a lottery this year that someone who's even, you know, as not a household keeper name as Mahe Fanua, despite his terrible haircut, could end up being one that you just end up keeping around. <laughs> Possibly a bit of work in the cap in the NRL this year, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right, number two on our list, we've got Reese Martin at the Bulldogs. He's currently uh, just under 9% traded in. He has he's only coming up to his second game. I dare say that um, because he's you know was the first try scorer in that Canterbury game last round and looked really good, scored um, 86 odd, I think it was. Um, the people are jumping the gun a little bit early on him. Probably looks like he's got a position sewn up. He has moved from the edge to lock though, so I'm a little bit curious. On his minutes this week, I guess, maybe he's going to job share a little bit with Adam Elliott, which might be a concern. But I'm going to wait until next week to decide on Reese Martin. Do you think there's much risk in getting him in early, Perso, or you think it doesn't matter either way? Uh, I nearly jumped on him last week, first of all, Tangan Allen sitting there, but I didn't. I thought I'd play it safe, so I'm going to play it safe again this week as well, and just watch again, but he looks like he's definitely bringing him next week. But um, uh, he's been looking pretty good in Reggie's all year, and... He played well in the World Cup and that, so he's got a fair bit of um, interest in him. I think that's why everyone's sort of jumping on him. And I actually don't think he'll play lock this week. I think he'll still play right edge, and Jackson will play tight. But um, we'll see what happens there. But definitely the safe options to watch, but um, for those who want to jump on him early, I couldn't really begrudge that. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I mean, there's that many downgrade options now from, a, like you said, a Tanganoa that's rotting there, or a, um, even a Sorensen who broke his hand, unfortunately, so that really killed his value. Um, or a if you want to jump off that boat as well. So there's quite a few that you could jump off. Uh, unfortunate yeah, that yeah, the dogs do. Nickels and all that sort of thing. So oh, yeah. There's plenty of, plenty of options. There's and, that much uh, he dead looks wood. Like he looks like he's going to be good. He looks like he'd be half decent cheapy. We've been waiting for one for a while. Yeah, we like we say it every year and like in all the pre-season and everything, you, know, you don't want these plodding forwards and whatever. And somehow... Even if you avoid the bench ones and you grab starters and stuff, you still end up with all these bloody plodding forwards everywhere that are just a massive slow burn or the guys that you just got to bite the bullet and take 50k out of. But um, yeah, I agree with you. Martin looks like he could finally be one of those ones that gets us 150k or so per son. He's an actual good forward cheapy for us. So the number three player on the most traded in list at the moment is actually uh, Marty Tapao. 5.7% at the moment, probably going to jump up to 6% plus, I guess. Now, this is an interesting one, Perso. He was someone that we, that I think me and you looked at a couple of weeks ago and, and you weren't really interested at all and I kind of agreed with you even though I liked him a little bit more than you, all based around his minutes and everything because obviously he's got that risk of getting some real low minutes which really hurt him. The last couple of weeks, he's obviously busted out massive scores 86 points last round, 97 points the round before, and played 56 and 62 minutes in both of those, which are both season highs. Um, he hasn't played, and he hasn't played really close to 56 minutes at all all year, let alone the 62 minutes we saw him play for the week before. So, I understand why people are jumping on. He's he's not even 570k. He's quite cheap. He's got a BE of eight this week. Is your tune changed around a little bit on uh, Marty Tapao now that we've seen him get the better minutes for a couple of weeks? No, 100%. It's all those minutes based on him. He's an absolute boost. It's just he needs those minutes and uh, all the injuries mainly have got it seems to be that um, Tapao might be benefiting from that. Uh, still only two weeks, so he's still a little cautious. But um, when you consider that uh, you're going to cheap in at the start of the year and for Carla Mariner, 
to um, you could trade it to power for only 18k more. <laughs> That's a little bit enticing with the power playing uh, around to then as well. He's probably going to want to be in his side for that. With um, you'll play massive minutes that round for sure with Jerbo uh, being out. So definitely one to consider bringing in. Still reasonably potish too with his ownership. So about 15 percent. So. I, no, guess, I can understand why people are looking at jumping onto power. But again, it's the minutes is there's no there's no he might come out and play forty minutes this week and ruin everyone. But <laughs> it's that's the risk with him. But when he gets uh, anything over fifty minutes and he's a gun. Yeah, I guess a question with him, and this is kind of a good segue to talk about a little bit. The guys that are just underneath him as the most traded in are Tom Malolo and Andrew Fafita. And then a couple more spots down, Sergis is there with a couple percent traded in. Actually a really good foursome to have a chat about because I'm in the position where I do like what Tapao's been doing and he does look like a decent trade-in. But I'm somebody who already has Andrew Fafita and Sam Burgess in my front row already and I've already got Tom Malolo in my back row. I'm not sure whether I can actually even fit him at the moment, and I've kind of got the cover for round 13 already in my forwards. So, I mean, if you're talking those four guys, would you have to power over a Fafita, a Sergis, or, or a Tomalola? No, I'd have all four, which is what I'm going with now. <laughs> <laughs> Cheating the question there, probably, person. He would, he would probably be at the bottom of the four. You all right. Fafita, you want Fafita, Lolo, Sergis, and I think. Power spot the fourth, so I'm good all four, but um, yeah, I wouldn't take the power over the other guys, you know. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel as well. So, um, and I kind of see the other three being pretty close. I think to power is just a slight tier, well, not a full tier, but enough below the other ones to differentiate him. So, I'd be, I'd be looking at getting the other guys in as well if you think that you can't afford them in the next few weeks or your team is two chockers in the front row and stuff to be able to do it, then you might have to consider you know, who you want the most, and I'd probably be not getting to power, I'd be getting the other three if I had to not get all four like you were doing, I reckon. Yeah, well, Tom will have to be at the top of that list at the moment. Yeah. All the Scott Bolton-esque uh, things in the media as well, and <laughs> McLean being gone, his minutes seems to already be high, and he, he's in form. This week, he's not going to get much cheaper, so and he's pretty much a must for 13 for people looking for numbers. Oh, yeah, for me, Fafita and Tomalolo are a massive must for 13. I guess the problem with that is um, they're still good buys, I think, because you you have to have them. But, geez, you really wanted to get on them in the last sort of three or four weeks, not be paying the sort of money that you have to pay for them now. They are like, they're close to 700k, and it's just it's a lot of extra cash to be paying. I would have rather well, bought them before. Definitely makes it trickier. That's so I jumped on a couple of weeks ago with them, but you're still going to be looking at trying to bring him in. Yeah, so all those guys are great tradings, and they're all uh, genuine gun options as well. The fourth uh, guy that we're going to chat about on our list, so isn't a gun option, but 3% are trading him at the moment. I actually think that's quite low, and that is the Knights, Connor Watson. So he's the sixth most traded in player at 3%. He's got a minus 18 BE, which might have gone under the radar a little bit, and his stats probably have gone under the radar a little bit as well. He has been remarkably consistent. He hasn't got a score below 57, aside from his injury-affected game. So his first two rounds, he had 57-57, got hurt. And then the last two weeks, uh, he scored 67 in round 8, 68 in round 9. 
and his base last round was 46 points in raw base. So he's looked like he's getting the ball a lot, um, which you'd expect with Pierce gone. And he's just being told to run, it looks like, because he's taken a hell of a lot of hit-ups. Do you think that the change of Brock Lamb coming in is going to dampen Connor Watson's outlook, or you're not deterred either way, per se? No, it is to see. The Brown has completely changed the makeup of the, the way the side's gone since Pierce has gone. Last week, was a, he didn't do it uh, in the team list. He did it like, during the game, which is the way they've gone this week. He swapped uh, Fitzgibbon's gone from the left edge to the right edge. Uh, Barnett's actually gone back out to the left edge where he was uh, two years ago. Guerra's gone to lock. So I think a lot of that's got to do with the structure of um, Watson and Lee. I think that's the way he's going to go. So, I, I, yeah, Watson's a fantastic option. The stats he just brought up, and it just rings true to uh, the stats he had when he actually got full games in the halves at the Roosters as well. He always scored well. So, I mean, for people looking to move on uh, Riley Jacks or something this week, Connor Watson is a fantastic option. Yeah. He just continue to score pretty well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's a good option. Jax is a great one to trade over to. Lock on Croco, if the corpse of Lock on Croco is still being held, he's another one. And the other one that we'll chat about a bit later is, is potentially Maloney as well. So, yeah, Watson's a good one. Um, and I think he should be higher than what he is. I've got four gun halves at the moment, and I want to stick with that formula. So I can't really get him, but he's going to play round 13. Um, and I'm in a spot where I'm going to have to cop an AE for my... Um, Number six jersey, I think. I won't be able to get a 5'8 that's going to play at the moment. So for other teams that need cover or um, aren't going into the four-gun halves, you should be looking really hard at Connor Watson, I reckon, this week. So moving on, number five on the list is actually another half that I wanted to chat about. He's just ahead of Connor Watson on most traded in, and that is Gareth Widdop, 600K at the moment. He's got a 38 BE. 3.7% of trading him in at the moment, and he's actually one of my trades per so. I'm looking at going Maloney straight across to Widdop as a straight swap. And my reasons, and you can try and talk me out of them maybe, I'm worried that Widdop's going to go on a bit of a run again now. He had a few low scores. Unfortunately, he got upgraded from 50-odd points to 92 on the weekend, so that kind of killed any thought of having um, a bigger BE than what he does. And he's coming up with um, a couple of good teams to play against the next couple of weeks. So I reckon he's a good trade-in to have a look at now, even though he's not playing 13. How do you feel about grabbing him now? No, he's a massive boy, the guys that don't have him. But seriously, he's, you've got to start considering Whittaker's not one of these up-and-down sort of players. He's a genuine one of the, one of the, the best halves in the comp, pretty much, supercoach-wise. Probably behind SJ, he's about the most consistent, so... Now, uh, especially Milani looks like he, he's just about peaked and clear his back in a couple of weeks at the worst. So that's a, it's a pretty good trade in Milani to Widdop. You're not going to get Widdop much cheaper, I don't think. He's at 600 now, but at 38. Uh, he's a form, <laughs> form goal-kicking half of the comp in the best side of the comp at the moment. So there's plenty of points on offer, Zubacash-wise. So Widdop's a good bring-in at the moment for people that don't have more pressing issues. Yeah, he's he's actually the cheapest he's been all year looking at the numbers. He's never been cheaper than what he currently is at 600k. No, that's right. He's a steal, basically, if you've got that move. You <laughs> pants on him now because you'll keep him all season. Yeah, and to be honest, even though Souths have been um, pretty good this year compared to what a few of us, I think, thought they were going to be, I think he might even be a smoky captaincy option this week um, against South Sydney at ANZ Stadium. I think that the Dragons might do well. And Widdop might be quite involved. But the week after, 
He's also got Canberra at home. And then the week after that, before they have the bye, they hit Penrith, who, even though it's away, they're obviously really scraping for players at the moment. So the draw for the next three weeks is quite good. And the 35 low score of his is just drop, dropping out now. So he's only going to go up. So he looks like a, a prime, prime option. And the other thing I love about it, just to segue a little bit perso, is at the moment, a lot of guys that are trading to either downgrade players or grab guys that are going to be playing round 13. Both of those are right moves. You should be doing that. But what that means is there's far less coaches jumping on a, a Gareth Widdop than what there normally would be because they've got other priorities to get injured guys out and, and downgrading and round 13. So there's probably not that many people that are looking at Widdop. So it could be a sneaky in for a lot of coaches and it's really going to help your points straight away. No, oh, 100%. I agree with that, 100%. So if you can, Rolly Jackson would be an awesome trade this week if you had a bit of spare coin or someone else to downgrade. If you were going to downgrade a Kenner or someone like that to, to a Phillips and then upgrade a Jax to a Widdop, it's a couple of good trades. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. it's. I'd be really looking, guys, at getting in um, Gareth Widdop. If you if you can wait on a Martin or something till next week and that was one of your trades, I'd be having a look at it because it's going to be hard to get him later on. We'll move on from Widdop and have a bit of a chat about someone that you just mentioned who I can't believe how massive the super coach game from this guy was on the weekend. The Fox at Ocar, mate, he was in a losing side that got pumped. He had, what, five line breaks, three tries, 150-something points. What an absolute perler. Yeah. <laughs> he's that type of player, the Fox. Seriously. He, like, he's... 156 on the weekend, and you wouldn't go anywhere near him. Like he, he, he started the season with a, a 48, then he had three games under 20. He pulled out a 16, a 13, and a 14, and then a 37 against the Tigers. So he had a, a five-round average of 25.6. Then he's got into a 76, a 92, 109, 156. And on top of the, the thing is, on top of that, he's playing... Next coming weeks, he's playing the Titans, Manly, and the Cowboys. This is crazy. All bottom sides. <laughs> he might, he could be eight hundred grand in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, he could be, and it's just insane. His, his three round average is about one hundred and fifteen points, and his four round average is still over a hundred. So I mean, he's just he's just killing it. But at the moment, there's actually close to a few percent of coaches that are actually trading him in, which I find. Absolutely unbelievable, man. I will go on a bit of a tirade here, Perso, and I'll try and, and not go too long. <laughs> you could either you know, agree with me or tell me why I'm wrong, but I've been given so many people advice that have been asking questions lately saying, do not do not trade in Josh Adokar, and they don't believe me. They don't understand it. 647K is a, it's a big ass to bring him in. Well, I mean, he's still got a BE of like minus forty odd, but the the problem is, look, you 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 he could produce one of those thirteens this week. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head before, right? Like he, and this is exactly what I said today. He's he's closer to scoring sixteen, thirteen, and fourteen the next three weeks than what he is to score ninety two, one hundred nine, one one fifty six. Like it's going to go back around. You don't you don't keep up scoring a hundred plus as a try scoring winger. There's just no way. And the other thing with Jack as well is it doesn't really matter what his opposition is. And we've seen that from a lot of players this year. You know, like the Dragons are first in the comp. They have good defence and they towed up the storm 
and that's where he got his 156 points from. Like, conversely, oh, yeah, yeah, conversely, I mean, I know the Tigers are better, but I mean, you know, at the start of the year, we thought the Tigers were a great draw for him round two, and he busts out with 16 points. Like, it's just madness getting him in. And he's not a base. He's not a base type player either. So it's all purely which way they're going to attack, and if the Storm are going to score, so all these points are coming in attacking stats. So <laughs> they get it quite easily punch out nothing. Yeah, look, I think you're paying about. 250k over on on what you should be and um, little segue again per se but my little strategy with these type of guys personally and then you can tell me what you reckon I always say with these type of players if you didn't buy them before they went on their run or after their first game then you lost your chance and you need to be looking for the next guy that's going to do the same thing and there's always a next guy I mean we saw it with Widdop we saw it with Lafayette last year you know if if you thought that Jack was good value and going to go on this type of run after his 92 points against the Broncos or even his 76 a week before, or better yet, after he scored 37 against the Tigers and he was only 330k, you should have said, well, I'm going to get him in for that Newcastle game at home. But that's when Jack was a great trade-in. Once you let all these big scores go, you've already lost them. Like You should be trying to identify the next guy that's going to do it. Oh, 100%. The uh, centre wings, they always have been, always will be, like the stock market. You buy low, sell high. That's that volatile, that's always the way you go. Yep, and as a repartner owner, I can say um, buying high isn't the best thing to do, starting with him from round one. <laughs> it's just, just killed no, us all, I think. You sell before you, you, sell before you had a pay, <laughs> pay drop like I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm right off. I'm right off Jack as a trade-in. So let's move on and talk about a guy that you're quite keen on, uh, Luke Capewell at the Sharkies. So I haven't looked much into him. I'm sorry, Kurt Capewell, not Luke Capewell. Kurt Capewell. He's about 300k at the moment. Obviously, the dual centre win second row. Scott Sorensen broke his hand, which is a shame for everyone that brought him in, but it does give the opportunity to Capewell. He scored 54 and 50 points the last couple of weeks. You're pretty keen on him, Perso. Yeah, he's a pretty decent um, option. He'd be a minus two. He's 37 from the week before those two games will drop out. Yeah, with Sorensen going down, uh, Graham's gone to at least Oregon. Lewis won't be back to the order. He's pretty much guaranteed that spot in the edge. Playing 80 minutes, he'll play around 13. He's pretty good shape. He's a jewel. So he's likely to make a sneaky. Hundred grand over the next through to that buy period, and then you might want to look at maybe moving him on after that when guys start coming back. But um, being available centre wing, he's pretty consistent. He's going to get you fifty odd points, so he's a, a pretty sneaky option. Not too many people have got on him so far, so but I think he's a much better trade in than a few other guys that people are trying to bring in. He's got a base of fifty two points over the last two weeks as well. Yeah, that's right. So and yeah, that's uh, he's pretty safe for the next couple of weeks. At least until that round third, I reckon. Would you be trading in a Luke Capewell or a Mahe Funua? They're both similar price. Who do you think is going to be the better trading? Uh, it's a tough call. You probably, the, the negative belief for Funua would um, probably win you that way. But in all, I think Capewell's probably safer. Funua's pretty easily pop out of 20 odd this week. He has got attacking stats in those scores, and neither has been that great. You know, when you look at it, and the try assists in the first game and in the try last week and he only just hit 60 in both games so he could easily punch out a 30 this week which still wouldn't be too bad with the price he's at but he's still a good purchase but uh, if you're going to toy up between the two 
uh, everyone's going for Nua, so you probably go that way. But Gabe uh, was probably the safer offer. He, he's safer for 50 points for the next four or five weeks. Yep. No, it's a really good point. I didn't really look at Cape Wells, so he's a great one to bring up. Sounds like a really good option, actually, especially if you've got, say, a, a Madison as well, and you end up... He's, uh, a much better option than the, uh, the old Trap Orbison that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to me, Orb- I think the jury's still out on Orbison because to me he was always going to be a guy that you can't measure, you know, one or two weeks in because he's got those low scores in him. You just wait for him to grab a try or to get those 40s going, which I think he still can do. But, yeah, Capewell looks better as far as the points he can put up. I'll give you that one. We might have expected a bit too much from old Orbo. Yeah, no, I still brought him in anyway. He's just rotting away at me. He's not playing reserves till round 13. Well, I reckon he'll score a try for you this week, mate, so don't worry. Chin up. It's it's all coming. <laughs> but last one on our list, and this isn't a guy being traded in at all, but a bit of a under-the-radar guy as my um, pod cheapie this week for me. And people are going to laugh, and that's fine. You're allowed to. But hear me out, Perso. Bevan French, he's now down to 250000 which is getting towards um, a rookie price. He's got a BE of five. And the Eels runs pretty good. They got the Bulldogs at ANZ, which is basically a home game for them. New Zealand at home. They got the Broncos away at Suncorp. But, I mean, the Broncos' defense hasn't been fantastic. And then they've got three home games in a row against the Knights in round 13 to get that bye cover, Cowboys and Souths. So... A bit of a sneaky one. I mean, I guess my question to you is, you know, my thoughts have always been if I can get a, a veteran that I know what they're going to give me over someone who's maybe a rookie or a cheapie, you know, for 50K less, maybe it's better getting the proven try-scoring veteran like Bevan French and hoping he goes on a bit of a try-scoring run for a month or two and getting the cover. 250K, you know, what do you sort of think about it? Oh, it could be a massive pod move, French. The only problem with him is his base is horrendous. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But um, it's one of those risk and reward options. But he's dirt cheap. Uh, if there's guys you want to move on to bring down, you will be like a hundred. You're going to make a hundred grand by downgrading McKenna or someone, aren't you? Well, he's cheaper than Fenua. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the only thing to look at is he scored a try in the last two games and he hasn't hit fifty. So it's a little bit of a concern. Yeah, his average is about forty-two points with a try over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, to me, tries are pretty much like base for French. <laughs> it's sort of, it's what he does anyway. So, um, yeah, he's, he's got the bad scores in him. What I'd probably say, though, is if I bought him, I just wouldn't play him. Like, it would be an investment to make some cash, and then I'd play him in round 13. Or if I felt like I was really desperate, you know, play him against the Bulldogs or something if I think they're going to put up points. But otherwise, yeah, just keep yeah. him on the bench. He's the type of player you'll buy and you won't play and you'll score three tries next week, score 100, and then you'll play man 13 and you'll score seven. <laughs> yeah, probably. He's a nightmare. But it's that risk and reward. He could he could quite well pay off. I don't. I certainly don't hate the option, that's for sure. Well, to put it in perspective, um, he started off at just, just under 410000 at the start of the year. So he's 160k below his starting price. So if... Oh, he's dirt cheap. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you believe in the numbers, you know, he's not going to do any worse than last year, then you expect that to normalise, and at some point he's probably going to make that 160k. So, you know, that's the thing. The yields are on the improved too, so it's uh, certainly not the worst option, that's for sure. It could be a, it could be a really good pod move, one of those risk and reward types. Yep, it is definitely a risk, ladies and gentlemen, so 
don't anyone go and get French in and then, then blame me if uh, he goes bad. It's, there's a big risk there, big risk. But we'll move on and we'll, we'll talk about the outs now. So at the moment, the biggest traded out player is Jai Arrow. He's just under 8% traded out at the moment. Now, I've got to say, Perso, I, I understand this, but I don't understand it as well. So I understand that he's injured, he's got a big BE, and um, he's not playing this week, hasn't been named. But, you know, the other side of it is he has been one of the best players in the game this year. He's averaged 65 points, which for underachieving forwards this year, 65 has got him right up there as one of the best forwards in the game. And he's been on fire. And his injury isn't serious. It's a rib contusion. It's basically um, until he feels like he can play because it's just the soreness that he's got. So generally speaking, I'm pretty confident with that injury. He's going to be playing next week. And I just feel like if you trade him out this week and he's playing next week, you're going to be feeling pretty crappy about that. Yeah, well, he's 97, but he's not going to affect you this week, is it? No, so, I mean, why wouldn't you watch him? Oh, you'd be holding him at least a week. Uh, I did the same thing to Brown for a month. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I'd definitely be holding, definitely be holding narrow this week. There'll be no rush to trade him out. Genuine watch on what happens from there. Because if he does come back, he's probably going to be like a player origin in that as well. But I mean, the boss rant is usually totally different anyway. So if he does play origin, you'll probably still hold him. But you'd definitely be in no rush to trade him out, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm surprised that so many people are trading him out. I think that they're seeing um, the Marty to power numbers from the last couple of weeks and thinking that's the only avenue to get him. Yeah. See, I certainly wouldn't be doing a joy arrow to, to power trade, that's for sure. I'd be, if I was bringing him to power, I'd be cashing out someone like uh, Fatala Mariner or Osaka or one of those guys. You wouldn't you wouldn't be trading someone like Arrow to power. Yeah, I guess the only reason that I would see it as, I guess, plausible for a team is um, when we chatted um, the last couple of weeks about team makeups and stuff. You know, if, if you don't see Arrow as your keeper and you've planned ahead and you were never going to keep him anyway, then you may as well trade him out now, and I kind of get that. But if you saw him as a keeper when you bought him, nothing's changed to, to sway that opinion just because he got hurt last week. So I think it depends on why you bought him. Even, even if he was a cash cow and you, you had him at the start of the side or whatever else, he's still not playing this week. So like, unless you decide he's decimated and you're really desperate to update someone, you just sit there and watch it this week anyway. Hold him for a week and see what happens next week. Yeah, God knows the Titans need him, don't they? Well, 100%. Yeah. So, number two on the list, I understand completely. Um, Asako is about 5% in a traded out um, list, and his BE is 56. Uh, he's actually the fourth most traded out, sorry, not the second, but he's the second guy we're going to talk about. Uh, I actually held Asako last week per so instead of trading him, and I've done that a couple times. The first big trade-out week was a few weeks ago or a month ago when the Broncos rolled the, the Warriors and um, he threw up a, an 83-point performance and everybody that sold him was really annoyed about it. I can kind of see that happening again. I understand why guys are doing it, and I guess if you have to to get one of those guys in that we spoke about as a really good in, then that makes sense. But he's playing Manly this week, and you know Manly's not travelling too good. He's a goal kicker in the Broncos' side as well. He's only got a BE in the 50s. Yeah, I could see him throwing up potentially another big score to get that cycle running again. No, oh, for sure. I'm inclined to hold him again. At the same time, I don't have a grudge anyone that wants to move him on because he was only ever a cash cow. He's not going to be a keeper, so he's pretty much sort of at his peak. But um, I think he could still probably milk some more coin out of him if things go his way. He's not a must-sell, that's for sure. Uh, you can definitely hold him. I mean, he's 
pretty much getting the 40 or 50 every week anyway without any sort of attacking stats. Uh, the only downside is uh, the Broncos just really aren't the team they have been over the last few years. So this run of home games they've got, they're not really attacking much and the, the, the scores, the, the super case points aren't coming through the attack, so it may not continue to have that run where he might get a bit of a try or something. But he only knows one try and again, he'll make another sort of 80 count of what he's got, so... It's sort of it's all about your team balance with him. You you can sell it, you know. There's there's no right or wrong thing to do with a sucker. Yeah, I agree. Except the other thing too is that you know if I'm holding him, I'm I'm probably trying to fit him in my 17 to play him this week because he's he's that good to play this week probably. Five weeks ago he was in exactly the same boat. He had like a mid 40s be and scored a try, and then he went back in a negative be. So you know that cycle's probably going to happen again. I reckon, but. Either way, like you said, you can't begrudge anyone for letting him go, so understand why he's up there. The next guy, I fully understand why he's up there because me and you didn't even want him to be purchased, and that was uh, the immortal Kenny Seo. He's somehow made $187,000 from his starting price, and he's got a 92 BE. So as we suspected, within a two- or three-week period, he's got a mega BE, and he's done not very much prior to that, even though he got the goal-kicking. You made your money. You, absolutely, he should be on the most traded list. And you know, he's thirty and twenty-eight the last two weeks. That's pretty much exactly what me and you said three weeks ago on the pod. Yeah, oh, he's a massive sell. Um, probably should have already been. If you got him, you're really. But uh, if you're in that boat now, well, that, it, honestly, if you had CA, you just go straight to Phillips and cash in maximum coin. Because Phillips has got pretty good job security. Yeah, you're jumping a week early or whatever. But um, seriously, it's only Ken CA. So you're probably not playing him in your seven anyway. You've had him there. If you brought him in, it was purely for cash. So if that's the purpose, then yeah, trade him out to Phillips and you've made a, a crap load of coin. Yeah, Fanua is the other one as well. That's the obvious one too. Well, Fanua, yeah, Fanua wouldn't be, you couldn't begrudge that order. So let's move on because the less we talk about Ken Seo, the better for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth guy on the list, uh, Peter Hiku. So 2.5% trading him out at the moment. He's got a 50 BE though, so he can definitely be a hold. I dare say as a Roosters fan, we do we, we do give up some points at the moment every now and then. So yeah, I, yeah if, if he's the only guy that you can trade out, you don't have an, a, an Asako or a, a Kenna or anything, then I can see it. But you know, I, I traded him out three or four weeks ago, and I haven't looked back since, and I really liked it. But I also said at the time, if I wasn't trading him out this week, I'd probably be making the decision that I'm keeping him for the longer term. So I get I get getting rid of him. You probably could have made a bit more cash if you made that decision a few weeks ago, though. Yeah, same boat. I got rid of him a similar time as you do. The frustrating thing with Hickey is, is SJ. <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest thing. It's uh, when SJ's there, the attacking stats come. And uh, for whatever reason, his base stats are a little higher, too. Yeah, he's still potentially one of the, the better options there for the run home. After the origin period and everything else, but it's a bit uh, SJ just can't seem to put some games together at the moment, so I don't know. He gives a massive conundrum. I'm glad I got rid of him a few weeks back because I wouldn't know what to do with him at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't either, especially with that tricky 50 BE. So, yeah, <laughs> can't begrudge the 2.5%, but glad I just avoided the headache. Let's move on to a different headache, and that's Riley Jack's. 3.5% trade out at the moment. I think it's going to be a lot more. BE of 45. Jack's is a good trade out, but I'm going to say like it's a, it is a bit more trickier than what it looks. He's playing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to suggest to hold him. I'm begrudged to 
throw out a storm half against the Thorntons, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I was looking at it and I like I saw it without thinking about who was played initially and went, oh yeah, you know, Jax is a great trade out. You know, you got to get rid of him. And then I saw that playing the Titans at home and I was like, oh geez, you know, I think I'd have to hold him. And then he's got Manly after that as well at home. Yeah, so I'm the I'm quite happy to hold him. I mean, he's not gonna, he's not going to bleed a hell of a lot of cash. Yeah, you know, some kind of attacking stack in the next couple of weeks and he'll probably hold coin or make a little bit more. And then you can sort of look at maybe moving him on to a Cody Walker or something from round 13. But um, again, anyone that wants to cash out, you can't uh, begrudge him. But there's no real other, well, there's no downgrade options at the moment, really. If Dave Richard comes on and looks like he's going to do the goods over the next couple of weeks, then maybe that's your option. But at the moment, you'd probably just risk it. Oh, well, I'm going to risk it anyway. I'm not not unless you have to play him in your seven nine. If you're that desperate for numbers and you're stuck with him and got to play him in your seven nine, you're probably going to try and move him on. But I don't have to play him, so I'm just going to hold him. I'd be playing him anyway against the Gold Coast this week. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, well that could be a masterstroke too. Yeah, hey, BC him even. The Gold Coast is running that bad at the moment. I mean, I guess the obvious ones that we did talk about. You've got the. The slight down or around the straight swap to a Connor Watson, who's in a much better position and does play round thirteen, or the um, well, that's a good trade. yeah, that's that's a good trade. The other trade that I like is if you've got the cash to go straight up to Widow. Um, I mean, Osako, I saw even it's even better. Kenner and Riley Jacks, if they're in your side, you know, getting Mahe for Nua and Gareth Widow for Riley Jacks and Kenner are magic. Those trades work really well. So. Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one. Yeah, I, I know those sides would be good. That's, that's the only way to go. The build is, again, it's all same perspective. If you haven't got any much else doing, then definitely a Jax to Watson is almost a straight swap and a pretty good trade. Uh, if you can upgrade a Jax to a Cody Walker or a Gareth Woodett this week, it would be a fantastic trade as well. So, But yep. uh, if you've got, you don't have to, then you know, you, you could sit on Jax and you can make another 100k or he might punch out a couple of 12s and if you're sitting there losing money, that, that's the joys of Supercats, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see, especially if he busts out a ton this week and all these people have traded him out. But we'll move on to another half. James Maloney, um, I actually got on Jimmy a while ago after Cleary went down, and he's given me two tons in that time frame and a pretty good average as well in the 60s. The last couple of weeks, though, he's got a 43 and a 54. Cleary's was pushing to maybe come out this week. Looks like it's around 11 against the Tigers. It's going to take the goal kicking off Maloney, you'd think, and also um, a lot of the attack that's running through him. So I've currently swapped Maloney straight to a Widdop, and it's almost a straight swap, which I love because that was the plan from the start. I guess the other things that you can do as well is that you can go down to a Watson, and depending on your bank, that could allow you something like a uh, Sorensen to a Tsapau or um, something around around that area, a Rocco as well, going to maybe a Fafita. Those type of trades by downgrading Maloney really look pretty good. Would you definitely be trading Maloney per se? You wouldn't be um, holding him or sort of seeing how it runs with Cleary coming back? No, nah, he's a sell. Maloney's a sell. He's done his job. That was all he was ever come in. Was uh, His run was going to happen while Cleary was out. Cleary's class by I mean, a 96 blue, he's going to sort of bleed cash. Probably come out and score 100 this week, you know, I've seen that. But um, <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm a lady the would have tried is really good, considering it's, a, like it's 
Milady's 573k and Woodup's 600k. I mean, uh, that's a bit of a no-brainer when you get that sort of coin. Yeah, and I just I remember buying you know Milady for 450k odd, and at that time Gareth Woodup was about 780k odd, and to be able to just do that direct yeah, exactly. swap now, uh, it's just great. I mean, uh, Woodup's genuinely the best one or two halves in, in Supercoach, so I mean, as soon as Cleary's back, Milady's going to drop again. Yep. Agreed. I'd be moving on Maloney this week. So another interesting one, Fatala Mariner. I he's he was one of my smokies for this year, and I'm glad that it came off. Really, really like the look of him. Now it's an interesting conundrum at the moment because the dogs don't actually play around uh, 13. They aren't looking great. He's got a high BE of uh, close to 80 points, and he's 540k. Now, would you just be inclined to hold him? all the way through because he's averaging 60s or do you see him as someone that you need to probably look at trading out now to get that buy cover in at his peak price? Two mines with him. Massively in two mines. Uh, it depends, I guess, on your side. But, um, I mean, he was cheap. He was a, he, everyone put him in their side at the start of the year as a, uh, a cash cow, which that's he's peaked now at uh, 540k, a BE of 76. His draw the next couple of weeks is pretty tough. So attacking stacks, so I don't think they're going to come. They've got the Eels, the Sharks, the Tigers and the Dragons, which are all pretty good defensive sorts. But uh, having said that, he's only, he's, his scores have always been there and thereabouts. He's had uh, five scores over since he's uh, five out of nine. But um, you can go for Tara Malina to uh, make the power for 18K <laughs> difference. So, I mean... There's that sort of that sort of coin at the moment. He's 540k for a cash cow that sort of peaked. It's a very technical selling. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you think they're going to go. The thing that's turning me off, the Fatala Mariner, the player, has made me inclined to just hold and just have him all year. He's only scored below 50 twice out of nine games, and both of those were still in the 40s. Pretty consistent. So, I mean, it's, he's definitely not a must get rid of. That's for sure. Yeah, but even though I like the player per se. The other side of me that's saying sell is that I really don't like the Bulldogs' outlook. That's the that's the kicker. No, nah, they're looking like they're screaming while it wouldn't spoon it. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to get much better, to be honest. I think there's a little bit of internal strife starting to get in there. Dean Page has got fined, and people are questioning Woods and Foran at the moment and how much their pay packet is and whether they should be offloading players and the Morris brothers going overseas. And I can just sort of see... The dogs kind of um, trying to push the Morris brothers out or something and, and start to play some young guys after the buys and then all of a sudden, you know, they're sort of playing for the future, which might not be too great for for RFM. So I'm not sure either. I don't know the answer. I guess if you didn't have a Tomalolo, Fafida, Sergis or even a Tapau, then um, I think that those are all good trades if you don't have any of the others stinking up like a rocker or anything, and that's the only option, I guess. So um, yeah, just very tempting, very tempting a uh, Patala Mariner to power trade for XR18K. I'm very tempted to do it at the moment myself. I could go um, RFM and Maloney to to power and Widdop and just miss out on Fenua. It's quite tempting. <laughs> it doesn't sound too bad, obviously. Well, let's move on to the last one on our outs, and this one's our controversial one of the week. It's the, uh, this week's week nine nut, uh, nut grabber, or nut grabbed, I should say, Cam Smith, whinging about the Jats Crackers move that Lattimore put on him on the weekend. A lot of people talking about 
whether the great Cameron Smith's time is over, Perso, and whether they should just be looking at dumping him now. I've got to say, I don't own him, and I'm so relieved that not starting with him has worked out so well. I started with Havili and yeah. Cook. Look, predicted it. The same thing, mate, Havili and Cook. Yep. But the same thing. Cook is far and away the best hooker in the competition. And that's not going to change, is it? Like, I still think he's going to be above Smith. Unless he gets injured, it's not going to change. 100% it's not going to change. You're going to add him in the hooker at the house. He's the best attacking hooker in the competition. And he's light years ahead, super catch-wise. I mean, he's averaging 73, and the next best hooker is uh, McCullough, averaging 57. I mean, Cameron Smith's ranked fifth at the moment in hookers. And, you know, I'd, I'd... don't care if I don't know Smith also. Yeah, it's a headache that I'm not going to have, which is good, because I'm decided at the moment, unless things really change, that I don't need to bother getting Smith. I really think that the strategy is that you play one hooker. I don't think that you need to have two expensive hookers or two good hookers that are in your 17. I think there's too much value well, in the other spots. That era is gone. Where you have, you, you, you know, hookers used to be the best, and so you definitely run two grand hookers, but that, that says right there, like Cook's 73, McCullough's 57, McKenna's 56, Kaiser 56, Smith 55. I mean, you can, when it comes to your final team, you just run Cook and uh, a Nuffy and Hooker and you play and play somewhere else. There's no need to have two gun hookers because there isn't really two gun hookers. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, a lot of people started with Cam Smith and, and Damien Cook. So, I mean, if you started with those two, I'd be inclined just to give up on Smith. Um, I don't think that's a bad option. I mean, you have to decide what you obviously want to do. If you want Smith in the future, then I wouldn't give up on him now. But if you're only going to play one hooker, then you'd play Cook and you'd trade Smith. Trade to who? Well, that's a bit of a more of a conundrum. I guess you could. One of the things that I toyed about if, if I owned Cook and Smith is whether I would um, actually use it to get my first nuff in at this point and um, maybe get a dual hooker second rower that's enough that I could move around if I had, uh, had a hooker injury maybe and just run with Cook only. That's one option. The other option is to do a big watch on Isaac Luke at the moment because Lawton at the Warriors um, just threw up a big score and has a massive minus BE. And if he ends up starting again, um, 260-odd K to 300K, I think his price range was, he could be a really good downgrade as well. Yeah, Lawton scored two trials in the weekend, which is good for him. But, uh, yeah, a bit of a watch on that guy. Yeah, Cameron Smith, he's had... Only had four scores over 46 in nine games this year. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, I've got no interest in him at all. I'm quite happy not to go near him all season. Well, not only that, but the last four-round base average has only just been over 30 points, which is not good. And he's not had the um, the base attack or the clutch attack that we've seen from him in prior years either. So I, I, I honestly, I'm so glad I don't have him because I don't know what I would do. Would you sell him if you had him or would you just leave him there? 537k, maybe in the eyes, and I'd probably sell it, to be honest. Who to, though, is the question. There's not a lot of jewels to go to hooker, and we're going to use that coin, so it's a massive conundrum, Smith Army. Yeah, I guess the only guys that are going to get out of that are going to be the ones that actually held on to Slade Griffin, because his BE went back down to about even. So if you've got Slade in the second row, he's a great one, because you can move him straight in for Smith and grab a, a second rower like a... Tomalolo or a prop like to power through jewels. So I think those are the only guys that have an easy option. Aside from that, what do you do with them? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, the other thing as well is it kind of ruins your 17 a little bit because 
if you own Cameron Smith, you're going to feel inclined to play him, and rightly so. But he's not putting up great scores. So, I mean, you can't not play him. But by playing him, you're missing out on playing maybe, you know, a, a fourth gun half, um, a second fullback that's going to do better. It really, you know, makes you a bit hamstrung on being able to move your team around on your top 17 each week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Times have changed, that's for sure. Super gas been turned on its head this year. Yeah, well... Good luck, Cam Smith owners. I, I'm, I think that I would probably sell, but um, it's going to be a bit of a tricky sell. So, best of luck in trying to figure that one out. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not in your boat. Let's move on now from Market Watch and um, jump into TLT Perso. Bit of a big one today with a few guys injured and a, and a few guys um, also on the bench. So, quite interesting. So, let's start off with uh, the first game of the round on Thursday night, Perso. West Tigers versus North. Queensland Cowboys, Leichhardt Oval for your boys. Russell Packer's coming back at prop, which is really going to help. That puts Sue to the bench, Tim Grant out of the side in the reserves. Lawrence's name to start, but um, he's failing, failed his HIA last week, so he's still got to um, get a clearance to return, I think. Little returns to the bench in place of Godinay, and interesting that they got Elijah Taylor starting for this one. So, you excited for this one? Do you think your Tigers going to get up, mate? Should go all right. I mean, back at Lockout, it'd be all right. Uh, Russell Packer back some massive bonus of talk. Yeah. Ready to run here. Yeah. <laughs> We're uh, never in the game against the Warriors, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of this one. I actually like um, the Cowboys, how they're looking at the moment. I think they're going to get up, and unfortunately, that's going to be four in a row for your guys. But um, I am interested to see Masters this week. He was a bit disappointing last week. So he's going to be interesting to watch from a super coach perspective. The other one that I'm interested to watch too, per so is Eisenhuth moves back to lock. So that's going to be interesting how many minutes he gets there. No, he won't get too many. Eisenhuth's pretty irrelevant. He, yeah. it's, uh, he, he potentially be one of the best supercase players, but just the minutes, he's not going to get him. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I really like him, but there's not too much to watch with the Tigers' side. The Cowboys have named unchanged 17. Um, so Scott Bolton's still named a prop. It looks like he's going to play, although I did see that they said earlier in an interview today that um, they're going to leave it up to him and discuss it with him, whether he's up to playing. So there's a chance that uh, I think Molo will be the guy that's coming in. Yeah, I, I can't see Bolton playing this week. I'm looking at the interviews off soon as well. So who knows, though? Yeah, I don't think he'll play either. I agree with you. But um, Jason Tomololo has been a pretty good captaincy option. And I think he will be again against your guys. I'm actually um, looking at him myself, and I'm, he's one of the big super coach watches out of this game. Are you considering just leaving the C on Lolo from last week and letting it ride? No, oh, for sure. He, he's a good captain option. <laughs> he's been a captain option for about four or five rounds. Now, so he's definitely a good captain option again this week. JT is another guy that's been traded in now the last few weeks. He's another guy that I'm watching. I've been pretty happy with him the last few weeks. Have you had him in your halves, or you don't have him in your side? Mate, I've had him from day one. I've had him and Milf. They've been stinking up my team since round one. <laughs> Milf hasn't looked like coming good. <laughs> JT's starting to look like he's still in half season, so I'm stuck with a pair of them. I think JT might be coming into a bit of form. Yeah, so do I. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. He's been looking um, good. He got his first try of the season last week as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this game on Thursday night, actually. You probably are too, being a Tigers fan, but... I tend to think that the cows are going to get up and um, there's a few big plays in this one, so it should be a good one. So moving on to the, the next match, we've got the Knights up against uh, the Panthers. 
So this one, we've got Brock Lamb coming in and Jack Hogger's dropped, which is a pretty big one. Josh King's been called up to prop with Lilliman dropped as well. And Yates and Levi have also been called in the 17. With Bura and Jacob Safidi dropping to the reserves. So a few pretty big drops there, Perso, with some big names. Um, Barnett and Guerra swap, which is interesting. But biggest interest for me from the Knights' perspective, Perso, is with... Brock Lamb coming in and him being a genuine half and a bit of an experienced one and also a goal kicker, um, how that's going to affect um, Ponga because he was getting a lot of touches lately and running a lot of the attack and um, how that's going to affect uh, Watson as well. Do you see it being a big impact on either of those guys or the Knights attack in general? No, I think everything will still go to Ponga. He's a, by far and away the best attacking option. Whether it has the adverse effect where they just when in doubt, throw to Ponga, what the Tigers used to do last year with Tedesco. Remains to be seen, but um, that's definitely what happened. Lamb's not a fantastic attacking player, and Watson's sort of, he's good, but he's more of a runner, so I think that'll be the way to go. So you'll have Lamb will be controlling the game and doing the, the kicking and all that sort of stuff, and Watson will be running, and then in the attack, they'll be relying on Ponga. I think if anything, Ponga will get more ball. Bonga was so good to watch last week. He was getting heaps of ball, and it was um, it was it's just great to watch him. He's been one of the the great buys of the year, starting with Ponga or getting him in early. No, oh, he's a superstar in the making. Ponga, he's a really good footballer. Pretty surprised for poor Jamie Bureau that he's ended up out of the seventeen. I didn't really see uh, that coming from the co-captain. Well, he was a strange purchase at the best of times, wasn't he? Really, Bureau for the North. Um, I don't know. He didn't really fit. He's never really fit since he's been there. But, I mean, he's one of those sort of guys that's reliable, but I don't know. Who, who, who would you drop the foot gear in the side with that point? I don't know. Yeah, it makes it a little bit hard. I mean, I, I guess even on the bench for Luke Gates is probably the obvious one. But, yeah, a little bit shocked. But no more shocked than the uh, Panthers at the moment with the amount of injuries they've got as their opposition, mate. I still think the Panthers can win this one, but, geez, they've been unlucky. They've, um, they've still named Trent Merrin. A prop, despite his compound dislocation of his finger. And yeah, which was amusing, as considering he was on the news tonight with a, uh, a cast up to his elbow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's absolutely no chance of playing this week. So I think it was more to the point they haven't decided who's going to come into the side because um, Leota's out as well for six to eight weeks or something, isn't it? So he probably hasn't uh, decided what's happening there, but... For anyone that knows Trent Merrin or looking at Trent Merrin, he's 100% not playing for a month. Nah, he's um yeah, he's not going to be able to. But um like you said, Leota's got that peck that he's just done as well. That's eight weeks. On top of that, they lost uh, young Jack Hetherington, the forward that came in off the bench last week through a suspension too. So, I mean, they're getting real smashed in the forward stocks. The, I think the talk was Louis Tosso, who's in number 19, would be coming in, and Wade Egan as well. And they'd be the guys coming onto the bench. So... Yeah, that's right. We've got, uh, got um, Brown that's retired because of his bow and Luke McKenzie did his knee, so the four stocks are pretty short. So you can imagine why Griffin hasn't gone out and known someone straight away. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess from a Supercoach perspective, a couple of things that stand out for me in this game. Really interested to see Kikau. He's going to get the big minutes again. And, you know, 80 minutes on that edge, he, he could throw in a tearaway performance again. Hauero Naira is going to be relied upon quite a bit, as is James Fisher-Harris. And I kind of wish I didn't sell Fisher-Harris a few weeks ago now because um, he's going to be playing 80 minutes. He's going to be relied upon quite a bit. So um, 
I think that's the upshot per se with this one. The injuries are going to mean that the super coach relevant guys that the Panthers do have are going to get more ball and, and more work and reliance on them than um, than what they normally would. Yeah, so the next one's the Canary Bulldogs versus Parramatta Eels at ANZ Stadium, a Friday night game. This will be a good one. These guys always rip into each other a bit, so it's going to be an interesting game. The Eels are obviously on the up and the Dogs are going the other way. The changes got Kaiser Pritchard out with a groin and Tim Manor with a fractured eye socket that came out today for three to four weeks. So that means that Will Smith's going to start at hooker, both Scott joining the interchange, and CSI Varve named for his first game as well in jumper number 17. So Eels forward stocks are already pretty low. They've still got Brown out, so they're getting pretty low again. Whereas the Dogs have just changed Reese Martin over to 13 and for Talamar, um, Josh Jackson back to Jersey 11, which we mentioned. The rest of the side's the same as what it was last week with all those changes. From a Dogs perspective, I am actually hoping that um, Fatala Mariner gets a bit, a bit of attack again because he hasn't had it for a couple of weeks. From the Eels' perspective, I guess I'm looking forward to maybe seeing how Bevan French goes and other than that, really, maybe a little bit of a Clint Gutherson watch, but I'm not too interested in the Eels at the moment, per se. Yeah, Gutherson's going to be 111, so a bit of a watch on him, I suppose. So even coming weeks, he might be coming soon because an option, but... Uh, no, uh, no matter, no um, Brown. I wonder if uh, Miss Marie Alvaro is going to play some pretty good minutes for the next month. He could be a sneaky little pickup. Yeah, I looked at Alvaro last week, and I was not only surprised at how well he's been going, but also surprised at how expensive he is. I mean, he's like close to five hundred k, I think he is. But yeah, he's, he's not cheap. Yeah, he's got like 49, 59, 67 points the last three weeks. I mean, one of those he played 61 minutes, so you'd have to think that he's going to hit 60 minutes again, um, which is pretty good for him. Yeah, it could be a little sneaky pod there for someone that's got nothing, no sort of throws pending, but that's a good watch. So who do you reckon is going to get up in this one? You think that, I think the Eels might put a score on the Bulldogs, actually. No, I, I couldn't pick the Dogs to beat anyone at the moment. They'd be lucky to beat the Crendor Grasshoppers. <laughs> Agreed, let's move on and uh, talk about a better game Mainly because it's got my side in it Warriors vs Roosters, Mount Smart Stadium Saturday afternoon, 3pm Big news here with obviously SJ out So SJ owners, you know, a bit of a roller coaster, But a different roller coaster. It's not the points roller coaster anymore per se It's the, the bloody injury roller coaster. <laughs> You're going to play a rollercoaster Yeah He plays, he scores 80, 70 Yeah, he's like phenomenal He's Far and away the best half and supercoach in the competition. He's just missing games now. Yeah, really frustrating, isn't it? I'm, I'm glad I don't own him as well. Isaac Luke's been named, even though he dislocated his shoulder and even though he had a leg injury the week before that we thought he was going to be out for a month for. I mean, he's a, it's a big watch on Luke this game because if Carl Lawton starts again, he could be a really sneaky downgrade from Havili and you could make a bucket of cash if it comes out that maybe... Uh, why is that Luke got named, but he's actually going to be out for two or three weeks. It might actually work out really well. The other thing, I guess, per so, is Mannering's in his jumper 11 again. And Papale. That's his jumper, That's his jumper. Yep. So, I mean, Mannering's really cheap at the moment too, so he's a big watch um, for this one. Yeah, I wouldn't be going near him. No? I wouldn't say at all. No, he's never going back to the middle. Which is, I don't know where people sit at the time thinking about this is going to happen. He's on the edge now. He's back on the edge again. That's it. Mannering's done. He's cooked as a supercoach option. Well, I said that two years ago, so I guess better late than never, hey? 
Yeah, well, it's come to fruition finally, Brownie. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we'd get there, mate. It's better for his career. Like, it's a, you forget Supercats aside. I mean, he's good at lock. He's good at second row. But I mean, he, that's that's where he's that's where he's at now. He's on the second row. So when he's playing second row. And he's uh, on the left edge as well. He's not running off SJ, so but he's cooked as a super coach option. He's not the gun he was anymore. Yep. Simple as that. Anyone that's holding out and might him to get cheap and think he's going to move back to lock or whatever, it's not happening. The amount of middle forwards that Kearney brought this year to the Warriors, he was never playing in the middle again. Yeah. I guess I was just um, a bit anxious because I saw how cheap he was and I've, I've ridden him off for two years and it hasn't really worked for me, so... And I've also been getting frustrated with the second row this year, but it's starting to come good at least. The Roosters, conversely, have an unchanged 17. Um, it came out that Victor Radley, though, was, was unsuccessful tonight, which is a shame because I really enjoy watching Victor belt everybody. Oh, yeah. How good was that last week? Victor Radley. <laughs> I enjoyed a, watching that. It's a bit of a shame in our game, isn't it, that a guy can put on a great hit like that and it just gets a, a little bit high and he ends up out for a couple of weeks. It's, it's a real shame. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't think we would have survived for what, two games in a season. I'd have, been, I'd have been lucky to play one game a season. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. The other watches for me on the Rooster side of things, just quietly, Blake Ferguson's gotten real cheap and he makes the most metres out of, I think, any any um, back in the competition. He does a lot of hit-ups and a lot of good base and he's around 420k, I think. Um, I've owned him for a while. He broke his try-scoring drought which lasted about a month and I think that he might be going on a bit of a run now other one that I'm watching perso is Ryan Madison don't own him and he's got a break, break even in the 90s this week which is really good to see some of those big scores dropping out looks like we might yeah, be able to like get I him said, like I said two weeks ago on the pod, um, if you didn't own him already you wouldn't be roughing him in your side that's for sure yeah he, I'm glad I didn't shell out 650k odd for him Looks like you can probably get him for five hundred and twenty-five or something around twelve. Yeah, when he bottoms out again about that, you're probably going to pick him up. He's probably someone you're going to want for your run home. For the dual factor and the fact that he's going to average like in the mid fifties, so he's a good option. But um, you're not going to break the house to get him. But that's the thing. Yeah, I mean the last thing that I'm looking at in this Roosters side, and I'm curious on, on your take on it. James Tedesco, I'm watching with interest again, and I'm starting to think that maybe there's a chance he doesn't even get in the Origin side, and they just go with one fullback, and that might be Turbo. In which case, he'll he'll yeah, play around uh, 13. Yeah, I think they probably might, but Turbo's form hasn't been that great either. They'll probably go with Tedesco. Yeah, Turbo sort of injured and not playing that awesome either, so. I oh, know, Tedesco's leaving as a cell pretty soon, I think. Well, that was going to be my next question for you that I was interested in. I, I was actually looking at it, and I'm not going to sell Ponga. I'm going to keep Ponga all year. And no, then, 100% best fullback in the top. Yeah, so, I mean, the next thing I was looking at is, you know, I'm kind of sick of waiting for Tedesco to get these better scores, and I'm thinking that after round 13, I might have to just swap him over to Turbo. Yeah, they're not going to come. Especially, there's plenty of pods out there at the moment, too. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, so I've said Billy Slade is averaging more than uh, Tedesco at the moment. So. Yep. So let's move on from the Warriors Roosters and talk about the Storm. So the Storm are coming up against the Titans in what shapes up to be the type of game where you wish that you had 17 Storm players in your team, Perso. Yeah, Storm would be hurting after last week. Uh, Titans are pretty ordinary. It wouldn't surprise if this was a 60 score one. <laughs> It's really annoying um, that we're going to be all be on uh, Jack watch this week when none of us are really going to be able to own him. Anyone who's got Jack this week 
Would you put the C on him outright? Would you be Would you be that ballsy? Given enough to probably do that. <laughs> if I had him, but um, at the same time, it's probably all go to the other wing this week, and he'll he'll probably score a twenty. Yeah, um, that's the true. Storm will, the storm will probably just get up in a dour bloody extra time going twenty later on. <laughs> I honestly don't see any way that's going to happen. Uh, I think the Titans look that bad this week, but Storm have got Scott back as yeah, well. I think they get flogged, but Scott Scott will help think, them. Uh, Cameron Munster will be the player of interest this week. I think he's a, he's a type that'll cut up. If you've got Cameron Munster in your side, I'd be captain him. Yeah, right. Yeah, Cam Munster's a really good call. Um, I also had a sneaky look at uh, Vunavalu as well. I was wondering if his price was getting around those mid-300s, but um, unfortunately he's still about 430k, so he's a bit expensive. But I'm wondering if the pendulum's going to swing and he's going to start to get some try scoring and be a bit of a pod. But he's a bit too much money now, but I'll be watching still. Yeah, he's suffering from a lack of Kevin Conkle. Yeah, he is. They're not kicking the ball to him, which is hurting him. And it, I thought they'd go that way a little bit more with Chambers there as well, particularly when Curtis Scott was out, but it didn't really happen. So the Titans, do we really want to talk about them? Well, we'll do it real quick first. So Brimson's coming in, and that is interesting. He's a big yeah, watch. Yeah, big watch on RJ Brimson. That's a, a big watch. He's pretty highly touted, and honestly, like when you're – your competition's Bryce Cartwright to retain your job. You'd be unbackable favourite just to keep that jersey, wouldn't you? Well, he's not going to lose it. Obviously, Kane Elgie's already been swapped under the brush and gone, and Cartwright's been useless. And Princeton's had a bit of a towering for a while, and so every single supercoach out there is hoping that he's going to just hold his spot and do something so they can get rid of the likes of Lachlan Croker and those sort of muppets. But um, yeah, big watch this week, that's for sure. Yeah, obviously the big news out of this one as well is that we don't have Joy Arrow, as we mentioned earlier. So that's pretty big. The other thing, too, that's interesting is Branko Lea, old mate from the Bulldogs, prior supercoach glory days of when he actually got to play. He can be a bit of a supercoach weapon with his offloads and his base attack. He's come into jersey number four. Brennan's really put the broom through. He's got Cartwright on the bench. Hurrell and Elliot are both gone with Copley and Branko Lee in. So... It's, it's either gonna they're either gonna play for their sports mate or they're gonna actually get towed up. Well, I won't surprise me at all. Bring out league as well. Super guys for us. I looked at that today and I thought, ooh, <laughs> there was a part of me that was tempted to go. Ooh, I might jump on him. That's for sure. Talk about Maybe the ultimate ultimate hand grade pod getting in Brinko Lee in his first game in first grade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially against the Storm. That was the only thing that turned me off was against the Storm. If they were playing someone lesser, I probably would have half looked at jumping on him. And he, he's, he's good, so the goes wide. Yeah, I'm going to have a look at him in about a month if he's still there because he's, his price is 508k, so he needs to drop down to below 400k for me to start to have a look at him. But he's just got the Supercoach game. He's much better than his real-life game. His Supercoach game um, yields really good points, so I've got him on my watch list already. Moving on, though, we've got the Seagulls versus the Brisbane Broncos in the um, last Saturday game. And this one could go any which way, per se. The Broncos have finally left the Jack Bird halves experiment for dead. And he's gone back to the centres with Tomo onto the bench. Uh, Cody Nicarima is starting at halfback. And <laughs> Payne Huss has named, despite suffering an ankle and concussion injury last mm. week. So... Why would you name? Oh, no, he's no Jensen player. Oh, why would you name Trent Merrin? 
Yeah. Trent Merrin got named as well this week, so... It's just getting yeah. a bit ridiculous. For, for anyone getting excited that, that might have brought Art in last week, or, or that he's not playing this week, so forget about it. No, no chance. Interesting ones. I've been saying for a while, I reckon Milf's going to go well. He's sort of, he's been solid-ish with 50s. Yeah, Might be. Oh, come on, mate. Stay on the train. He's, I've, he's, had, I've had him since day one. I've still got him. He's not going to come good. I'm stuck with him. I don't know what to do with the prick. Oh, I can't see him coming good anytime soon for Civic Coast. The, the Broncos are a totally different beast. I've got no confidence in him at all. Well, two of my favourite guys to watch for Supercoach reasons, and both of them are a bit heart attack in the you know at, at the moment. But Milford and TPJ, I love just watching him, just just riding him for the points. So I'm going to be watching those two this game. I think they both could go well against the Manly. Side and I mean this manly side as well. They did look a little bit better last week, but they've named an unchanged seventeen, which I guess is good for the Sean Lane owners that got him in. Marty Tapao could do well against that pack as well, so he's a good watch. And DCE and uh, Turbo might be fired up as well after a less than stellar performance last week too. So what way is yeah. going to go, mate? Broncos or Manly? Well, I wouldn't surprise me Manly get the upset there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I don't know the Broncos at all at the moment. Yeah, it's um, yeah, could be a good super coach <laughs> game though. But uh, yeah, let's let's move on and talk about a bit of a better a better team in the St George Laura Dragons coming up against the Rabbits. And only change for the Dragons is that they've got Zach Lomax finally appearing, which everyone was waiting for. So Reese Robson, who debuted last week, is gone. But unfortunately for Lomax owners. He's on the interchange pension number 17, so... Yeah, which is absolutely hideous. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> the Dragons, Dragons are going all right. They look like they won the game with 15 out. The Mary will probably put him on for the last five minutes and they'll score two. So yeah. that'll be in his... Supercats-wise, <laughs> that'll be in his rolling average for whatever he does actually get a run. Yeah, that's... So it's, a, it's the worst-case scenario for Supercats. I've seen a few people have it on... Getting excited, oh yeah, Lomax, no, he's on the bench, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst possible scenario. You don't want him named. You want him named when uh, Nightingale does a hamstring or something. He's for fucking five weeks. Yeah, exactly. But you want to see him named. Well, conversely, the Rabbitohs, big changes, Sam Burgess comes in and that pushes Cam Murray to the bench, which is another one that a lot of super coaches would be up in arms with. I, I, I'm lucky I didn't get on the Cam Murray train. Yeah, I've never understood the hype about Cam Murray, to be honest. No, I didn't either. I said in the preseason with Billy when we were going through the south side that um, I thought that he might have a he might have the potential to be a 52 average on a sort of 60 minute roll, and that was a concern for me. And especially, I said that as well because of his hamstring problems and all that started to happen. So I mean, if you had him at the moment, he's named in 14. Would you just drop him now and just sell him to someone? No, I you get rid of him. But, yeah. Um, he was only ever going to be relevant if he was playing starting lock and playing good minutes, which never happened because he was injured in the pre-season. So from day one, he's never been relevant. He needed 80 minutes, really, in that role. And I mean, I'll yeah, tell you what, right. John Sutton's played really well. He surprised me. Yeah, he's just a rookie pod at the moment. Yeah, we won't talk about him. I, just, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Campbell Graham looked really good on the weekend as well, and he's coming into his second game on the wing for Kenar as well. It would be he'd be great if um if Keno wasn't coming back and getting that spot. I'd be looking yeah, hard at Campbell Graham. Attacking stats in the weekend he got 
So, Campbell Greathill, he scores were hideous last year when he came in those couple of games he played. They were, like, he struggled to hit 30. Yeah, I didn't look at his scores last last game. I was yeah, just, uh, last year, I was very, just... Very, very wary of. Oh, okay. Certainly, well, I've seen a few people sitting around. I had my jump on him earlier than that. You, you're not going to jump on him early. It's at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, you, you uh, definitely can't early. I mean, he, he just yeah. looked, in real terms, watching the game, I thought he looked like he's a... He was a good player, but maybe it won't translate. But he'll probably lose a job to Kenna next week anyway. Well, that's the other. I don't think Kenna will be back before the ball, so. Yeah, the Dragons, I'm obviously on Widdop Watch. I think everybody should be on Widdop Watch. Aiken as well broke my heart last week when he got that massive score. And uh, Sneaky Lafayette Watch as well, per so. That's, um, that's my few watches for the Dragons side this week. Yeah. Aiken's uh, good, man. <laughs> He's solid. You should be in everyone's side. No one's got him. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at a way to fit him in after that round 13 buy, I think. But this one should be a, a pretty good game. I think that the Dragons are on a bit of a roll, and I reckon we might get some points in this one. I'm going to go for a, well, a 32 to 16 scoreline. What do you reckon? Well, the Bunnings actually surprised me the other week, which they they were right in the game last time they played the Dragons, which is ridiculous in this competition that you can play the same side within the first four weeks, anyway. Yep. But, um, yeah, the Bunny, I reckon the Bunnies are going to push the Dragons. I'm going to be a lot tighter. I'm going to be a low-scoring game. Right, well, like a, not, not a low, low-scoring game like we've had, but it'll be like a 22-16 a, a type scoreline. But I, I think the uh, the Dragons get too many points in them. I think they'll get, a, they'll get ahead, but I think the Bunnies will push them. Yep, fair call. I've got them running away with it at the end, so we'll see who's right next week. Canberra Raiders versus Cronulla Sharks is a final game, and this one's in Canberra. Raiders have hit a little bit of form, which is good, because Leilua and Rapana combined for about 170 points last week, which is fantastic to see, particularly when you own both yeah, of them, like me. Yes, the Titans, wasn't it? Yep, but that's all right, mate. You, you take your yeah. points where you can get them when you already own the guys. So, <laughs> I mean, hang, hanging for that Rapana Leilua combo for a long time. Yeah, it'll be cool. The Raiders have got Shannon Boyd starting a prop with Paulo out for eight weeks, which is big blow for their pack. I'm really surprised that he's out for eight weeks with a foot strain. Thought it would be a fracture or something if he's out for eight weeks. So that's a bit of a bit of a blow for them. Otherwise, the Sharkies, like you mentioned when we were talking about Kurt Capewell. He's starting in the 11 jumper. Jason Bakuya is back as well. And the big one, Paul Gallon is back, starting at lock and captaining. So quite a big forward shake-up. Sorensen obviously gone. Jack Williams on the bench to debut. Backline remains the same. Uh, Paul Gallon watches is well and truly on on this one, Perso. No, 100%. Especially after his last game before he got injured. He uh, looked like he was back to his boosty burst at that point. So definite, uh, definite watch. Do you think that um, he him coming back is going to have any impact on, on Fafita at all? Because Fafita's kind of running nah, right since Gallant's really. gone. Nah, nah it won't have much change at all. His minutes won't change. He's, don't have a do his minutes. Yeah, Gallant defending Fafita, things going to miss for a long time, and uh, the, especially the last couple of years when Gallant's getting older, doesn't affect Fafita at all. Yeah. It's one that comes up all the time, but yeah, you're right. The stats say that it's all fine, and Fafita has been a beast lately. He's the other one that I'm watching and looking forward to this game. And I reckon Fafita's going to bust out another 80-plus this week, so I'm seriously looking at him. Genuine, genuine captain option. 
Yep, I'm I'm seriously looking at putting this, just leaving the C on him from last week and just riding it just because the way he's offloading at the moment, you know, there's no one that can get the offload away as easy as what Fafita can. Even when they're completely useless offloads, it doesn't matter for Supercoach. So we'll go for, a, I reckon, a good scoring one here of uh, 26-24 and uh, Lapata to get a good score as well, I reckon. But that's the end of TLT, per se, so... Nice slate of games this week. I'm thinking about throwing my joker out there, though. I reckon it's um, pretty good for a tipster. <laughs> yeah, it probably would be. <laughs> yep. Uh, looking forward to it. Should be high scoring for Supercoach, too. So, looking good. So, best of luck with your captaincies, Perso. Hope you uh, jag 100. Yeah, thanks for jumping on, and we'll see you in the next couple of weeks. No worries, buddy. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. That's a... Uh, Another edition of Market Watch and TLT for this coming week. We'll be back on next Tuesday as normal. You can grab us on SoundCloud and follow us. Uh, otherwise, download us on iTunes and follow us on NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars on Twitter. So thanks very much, guys, and we'll chat again next week. Hey now, you're an All Star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, go.